G'day and welcome to Perco's Podcast, a podcast all about strategy, leadership and soul care. We're here to help you obtain your personal, professional and spiritual goals without losing your soul. We hope that today's episode is refreshing and gives you a new perspective. Now here's your host, Jason Perkins. Well, g'day everyone and welcome to episode six of Perco's Podcast. I hope you're having a ripper day wherever you find yourself listening from. If you're driving, riding a bike, running, walking, or just sitting around, I hope that hanging out together today helps you reach your personal and professional goals without losing your soul. Well, today we are talking with social researcher Mark McCrindle, who I'll introduce to you in just a moment. But before we get to that, let me tell you about what we have coming up next week. I'm stoked about an upcoming conversation with my friend Stu Davis. He is going to share with us some great ideas related to loving and serving in our neighborhoods, suburbs, and cities. And I know, especially during this COVID-19 crisis, I think all of us have a desire to love and serve people where we live, especially the most needy and vulnerable at this time. And I think my conversation with Stu Davis, I believe, is going to be incredibly helpful with just that. So don't miss that conversation. Speaking about not missing a conversation, want to let you know the best way not to miss anything around here is to sign up for our newsletter. You can do that by going to jasonpercoperkins.com. That's jasonpercoperkins.com. You can sign up right on the homepage and that will ensure you don't miss a thing. We would also love to hear from you. It's so encouraging to our team when we hear from people like you that are being encouraged by these conversations. So be sure to hit us up on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or wherever it is you hang out online. Most often you'll find us at Jason Perko Perkins. That's our handle on most of our social media platforms. And I would love to connect with you online because let's be honest, that's where we're all hanging out these days, especially. So let's connect. Well, today's guest is Mark McCrindle. He is a social researcher, TEDx speaker, best-selling author, influential thought leader, and principal of the research-based advisory firm McCrindle. His passions lie in tracking emerging issues, researching social trends, and analyzing customer segments. Mark is an advisor to executive boards and committees all across Australia, and as a sought-after demographer, futurist, and social commentator, Mark is regularly engaged to advise executive boards and present workshops, strategy sessions, and keynotes across Australia. As I mentioned, he's been a TEDx speaker twice. He actually has delivered over 100 keynote presentations in the last year. He's a really busy guy. He is regularly interviewed on prominent television programs, as well as on radio, in print, and online media. For those of you in North America, I like to think of Mark McCrindle as the Australian version of George Barner, of the Barner Group. McCrindle Research put out a groundbreaking report in 2017 called Faith and Belief in Australia, which has shaped much of our understanding of the relationship between faith and current culture here in Australia. Mark's team recently put out a report on Australians' response to COVID-19, their emotions, their feelings, how they're responding to all this change. And I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation. Even if you're not from Australia, I think the findings are going to be pretty true of most Western cultures today. In today's conversation, we unpack the findings of that report and how faith leaders can learn from it 
and allow it to shape how they lead. As always, we talk about soul care practices, so be sure to stick around until the end of the conversation as he shares a real nugget of wisdom from his friend and former CEO of Compassion Australia, Tim Hanna. Well then, without any further ado, here is my conversation with my good friend, Mark McCrindle. Enjoy. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on Perco's podcast today. It's a pleasure to see you. How are things in Sydney for you today? Going well, yes. We're all adapting to uh, the new normal and, uh, and, and lockdowns and uh, working remotely, but it's all, all going well. Thank you. Yeah, very good. Well, a couple of years ago or a few years ago now, you put out a report that has been a catalyst for a lot of the church leaders that I work with on a regular basis around Australia in changing perhaps some of the strategy of how they went about doing church because of the growing number of people in Australia identifying as non-religious. And so I just wanted to start off, first of all, by thanking you and your team um, for the excellent work that you guys do. It's so helpful for church leaders to be able to get that data and be able to cast a compelling vision to their congregations and their communities as to uh, why we do church the way that we do it. So thank you guys so much for the work that you do at McCrindle Research. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for the feedback. And, uh, you know, that's what we're about is analyzing society, helping to understand communities and then provide that information to those who can invest in their communities and help shape their communities. And no one does that better than churches as they connect with those around them where they are planted and, and have some impact. So, you know, to understand, to, to reach our communities, we've got to first understand them and that's what we spend our time doing. Yeah. Well, we appreciate the help that you're providing to us as we serve communities all across the country. Uh, last week, I actually came across a webinar that you guys put out on a brand new uh, research project that you just wrapped up that is very timely, incredibly relevant to where we're at, not just in Australia today, but across the entire globe as we're all facing this uh, COVID-19 pandemic that is changing our lives, I believe, in, in many, many different ways and probably changes that will be permanent in some ways. But I wanted to just ask you a few questions, especially for church leaders during this season. Out of the data that you, you got from the survey, there were a number of things that caught my attention that I just wanted to drill down a little bit deeper on. First of all, you guys reported that Australians had um, <clears throat> some major emotions that are happening um, in their lives currently because of this, uh, this pandemic. In fact, you identified the top five emotions for Australians as being anxious, number one, frustrated, vulnerable, scared. And then number five on the list kind of was a little bit of an anomaly after those top four, the number fifth or number five emotion that Australians are feeling is hopeful. Why do you think that that is part of the emotions of Australians right now, given the top four emotions? Well, there is that resilience that Australians have. You know, we've got a track record of getting through things, of getting on and uh, innovating and adapting and, and, and getting, making the best of a, of a tough situation. So it's part of the national character. Um, we also do, as Australians, look around and see that we've got good, stable government that seem to be making uh, positive decisions. We see that the trajectory we're on, as far as the virus spread goes, is not as bad as we're seeing in some cases uh, as a nation we're feeling the economic uncertainties and the 
personal issues that flow from this social isolation that we're in, but there is a sense that we're getting through it as well. And that's where that hopefulness comes from. We did find that nine in 10 Australians say that they are uncertain when they look to their future and two in five are saying extremely or very uncertain. So that level of anxiety is, is really up there and significant. So that was the strongest response. But it is great to see that beyond that immediate reaction that Australians are feeling, there is this hopefulness that's starting to bubble up. Yeah, absolutely. It's no surprise that anxiousness and anxiety are, are top of the list. And then frustration, I'm assuming, because of being isolated and being confined and having restrictions put on us right now that we've probably never before in our lifetime been imposed upon. I, I would love to know how you would recommend for church leaders, faith leaders to be communicating during this time. As you can imagine, kind of the joke within the church community, especially for church leaders, is that Sunday is always coming. It comes at an incredible pace every week. And we're constantly looking for helpful content that would help our congregations in our community. So with those four emotions in mind of anxiousness, frustration, being vulnerable and scared, what's your recommendation for church leaders right now in the content of their messages, but also in the tone of how they're messaging that? Look, it's so important to be there for the community at this point, the church community and those beyond. And this is where leaders really stand up, you know, in tough times. Leaders can lead because they can see a direction and because they understand those that they are leading and they can help uh, confidently map a way forward. Now, I don't think that church leaders need to um, brush over these uh, poignant and and significant uh, negative feelings of the community. In fact, I think they need to help uh, uh, deal with that and, 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 in a sense, help the community sit with that a little. You know, the reality is that the joyous reality is that in a time of uncertainty, we have a God who is unchanging. Yeah. And in a time of frustration and vulnerability where the plans that people had, the, the, the ideas that they had put forward are all uh, crumbling, uh, there is a certainty beyond the temporal. And there is a hope that we have uh, and a security that we have beyond the physicality and the rules and the structures of our of our day-to-day -day lives. And that is, the church is the only one that has that clear message and can articulate that. Um, and it's, and it's of course, um, the message of faith and it's the message of hope and it's the message of service to others. And, and I think that, uh, that church leaders can be that, that clear voice in this time to a community that no longer has the workplace as a, as a gathering point, uh, as, a, as a resonance point. They're, they're not connecting in the school car park at the drop off and pick up anymore. They're not able to, to be part of that local community organization that they were connecting with. And even neighbors and friends are not able to gather physically, but, but online and, and through those church connections, the church leaders can uh, give a clear message amidst the uncertainty and clear direction amidst the fog that is the experience of Australians at the moment. Yeah. Interestingly, your report, Mark, talked about these emotions, but you guys broke it down even further into the different generations of Australians right now and what their top emotions are. And I, I found it intriguing that 
the younger generations of the Gen Z, Gen Z, however you want to say that, Y and X, are experiencing more frustration than boomers and builders at this time. Why do you think that is? And then I, the follow-up question to that is, how is, how do you think it's possible that the older generations could be connecting with younger generations around this, this emotion of frustration right now? Yeah, great pickup in the report. You know, that is what was fascinating to me is that we're all in it together as we're hearing, but the different age groups are experiencing this challenge in different ways. And uh, the number one response from Generation Z was anxious and number two was frustrated because, you know, the younger generations have their plans, whether it be around study and work and the year ahead. The older generations, the number one response is vulnerable uh, yes. because from a health perspective, from a financial resource perspective, as share markets and superannuation takes a battering, they are feeling vulnerable. But... Um, the, the, the younger generation were more likely to feel overwhelmed as well. Uh, the, we, we looked at resilience across the generations and we found that the younger generations were the most resilient around the finances and around uh, the health sense. You know, they're not worried about the health consequences, but they were the most vulnerable uh, when it came to the isolation and the mental health issues that that is uh, causing them. Whereas the older generations have been around the block a few times. They've been through these situations. They're not feeling the same level of uncertainty to the long term. They're not feeling that same, uh, I guess, personal crisis through it. They know that this too will pass. They've got a bigger reference point. Uh, although, as I mentioned, the health uh, resilience and the financial resilience for them is not as strong. They, they don't have as long in the workforce or uh, or to bounce back from, from the financial challenge. So each generation, because of their life stage, is experiencing it differently. And that's where the church, as one of the few intergenerational contexts in which we uh, operate these days, can have the older, emotionally resilient ones helping the younger ones who are feeling less resilient, but then, hey, they also can give a bit of confidence to the older ones around, you know, health-wise, maybe it's not as bad as we're thinking, and together we can get through it. So so it does highlight that each generation needs the other and that we will experiencing it different ways. And just because we're not feeling one aspect doesn't mean it's not on the agenda for others. But understanding that, and certainly together across the diversity of our communities, uh, we can offer that encouragement. Yeah, I immediately, when I saw that, I thought to myself, like you did, the church is, is one of the unique organizations that is intergenerational. And because of that, we have a unique opportunity during this season to perhaps connect the generations through a felt need more so than any other time in history. And so I, I immediately thought to myself, it would be great to have a grandparent or a great grandparent in the church hosting a Zoom call for a bunch of anxious middle school and high school or uni students to be able to ask questions. I know my wife's grandparents are builders generation. They're in their early 90s. And they've experienced, you know, over the years, they, they had a home that burnt down one time. And so they've experienced some very significant losses. And then they've had years as farmers where the harvest wasn't what they expected it would be and what they had hoped for. And so they had to figure out a, a way to get through the next year without the crop that they had hoped for. So I think there are some incredible opportunities for the church to maybe create some platforms currently to connect these generations, to be able to help each other out. I think these are fantastic. Yeah. You know, 
there's a lot of conversation, Mark, right now. I think because we're into the isolation period and the social distancing and the restrictions for a couple of weeks or, you know, three weeks or so now of when is this going to end? And there's a lot of predictions being made, a lot of people trying to figure out based upon what other countries have experienced when we might begin to see some of these restrictions lifted. I noticed in your report that the large majority of Australians think that it's going to take up to at least six months for all of the restrictions um, to be removed. Some are even thinking that it might take seven to 12 months for that to take place. So with this mindset of Australians thinking we're in this for the long haul, so to speak, it's not like it's going to end next week or next month even. What do you think are some key things for faith leaders to help people prepare for this new normal, maybe for the rest of 2020, possibly? Well, that's where leaders need to be realistic about the context that we're in and not not give an, an overly gilded perspective. You know, we don't want to give the impression that, you know what, I'm sure in a couple of weeks, things will get back to normal because that's not the message that we're hearing from those national leaders who have got access to more briefings than we're hearing. Uh, six months is what has been articulated. And as you said, you know, in this research, we found that almost half of Australians, 47%, said that they think it'll be at least seven months uh, yeah. before things are back to normal. In fact, one in 10, 9% said they think it'll be two years or more uh, before we're back to normal, back to what we, we used to have. And of course, as you said, some of the restrictions may, may be uh, how things are done from here on. So these global pandemics, they do change the landscape once they've rolled on through. And it is important for us to respond to the terrain that we're in, to look around and, and adapt. Um, and, and therefore, I think we do have to set up systems and processes. We have to be realistic about the, the, the timeframes uh, that, that we're moving through, but also you know, the new realities. And yes, you know, it, it's, it's important at times to mourn the, the good old days and the hopes we had and, and where things are at. And then we get ourselves up and we say, but you know what, let's be proactive or responsive to the reality that we do have because God's still on the throne and COVID-19 hasn't taken him by surprise. Mm. And the older generations uh, have been through these sorts of issues, not like a pandemic perhaps, but certainly global implications. They've been through recessions of the 90s or indeed some will remember some deeper ones even earlier than that. And they can offer the encouragement, some of our leaders can, to say, you know, double digit unemployment we've had before and we've got through that. And yes, we need to be um, you know, more cautious of savings and we need to remember that even though we've had 30 years of an economy going up, sometimes it does go down and the stock market can be volatile as we've seen recently. And so getting back to some of those timeless principles of some level of financial conservatism, of not getting out there too much in terms of leverage, of having a job and being grateful for and hanging on to it rather than just flipping across them thinking that there are more jobs than people, you know, those, those mindsets need to come to an end in this new era. And we do have to, I guess, buckle down and, um, and, and deal with this reality. And I think it's our leaders and those with a bit of experience that can give us that perspective, that can help us prepare in the long term uh, for the, the situation that we're in and, uh, and therefore, I think, be proactive as we respond. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of things there, Mark, that I think are really important to highlight. You mentioned that leaders need to be realistic. And that goes into some of the other 
findings of your research that Australians are really looking for the truth right now. Even if the truth hurts, it doesn't necessarily need to be all good news. They just want real news. And I noticed too in the research that many Australians are looking to the media, although you mentioned this just a moment ago, the government actually has more access to more data and are giving that on government websites. But oftentimes we're going to other sources to try and get the future predictions and things like that. What would you recommend for leaders in that context of giving the truth, even though the truth may not be the nicest thing and getting access to the right type of data? Mm. Well, an important point, you know, we, we hear that our oh, look, trust is, is broken. People don't trust governments anymore. Institutions have no gravitas in this era. Well, this research shows that's actually not the case. In fact, when the chips are down, we're in a tough time. Australians do trust the government. It was the number one source of trust. Now, wow. we, we know that uh, the, the most accessed source was through for information was social media and the mainstream news, but the most trusted source was government information. So it's not true for us to think that the government has no cachet, that leadership is broken, that we just don't trust institutions anymore. We do, particularly in uncertain times. And the church needs to remember that as well. Church leaders need to remember that also. Just as we've had in other times of crisis, like the wars in the past, people looked to those faith leaders for some sense of reality, some sense of direction. So they do today. And we, we need to remember the important place that church leaders have in our society and in their communities. If we look at, uh, and, and this is a great test of leadership, probably the biggest that we've had since depressions and, and the wars, uh, this, this pandemic. And so we asked Australians, well, what are the important qualities of a leader dur during a time of crisis? And the number one response was be completely open and honest when sharing information. And, and we need to remember that. Let's not varnish it. Let's just tell it directly as it is because that builds the trust account and that, uh, that they, you, you can only fool the people once. Uh, we can only mm. underplay it once. I think, you know, you come out with the bad news in a fulsome way and share the reality of it. And number two on the list, Australians said they want their leaders to be prepared to make the tough calls, to make them early and back themselves. And church leaders uh, have to stand in this regard as well. And we've seen church leaders have to make some tough calls about their services or about even staffing issues as, as some of the, the giving um, is under pressure, maybe um, uh, some use of, of their resources. But the people, the followers will back their leaders if they make the tough calls and, and make them early uh, in honesty and, and with with when their intentions are clear. Uh, the third one follows from that, lead with strength and communicate confidence. Mm. That's why we have leaders, because they can lead us. They've seen something from the view they have, from the information, from the, from the parapet, I, I guess we might think, from the hill. They've got a, a bigger perspective than maybe we do as we sit in the pews or, or, or as we follow them. And so leaders need to lead with strength and communicate confidence. While being honest and transparent, they also need to project hopefully the reality that they are living, that we will get through this. And I do have a direction. We've got a plan. Come with us on the journey. And together we will power on. That's what 
that's what the, the, the people want to hear. Um, we, they also said, give voice to the experts and follow uh, their lead and advice. And again, I've, I've seen that in the church communications of recent weeks where church leaders are saying the government mandate is this or the health authorities are recommending that, therefore we're going to go with that. And the fifth one, and it's important because those top four are pretty hard line being blunt with the truth and tough calls and confidence and strength and, and, and expert voices is show empathy and compassion. And yeah. hopefully that's a strong, uh, a strong point of church leaders, but we need uh, to, to redouble our efforts in that space uh, when, when the people are really looking for that emotional and, uh, and, and practical support. That's super practical, Mark, those five things that Australians are looking for from their leaders, that church leaders or leaders of any organization can really spend their time focusing in on right now as they lead their community or their congregation or even lead their teams. You mentioned in there that some churches have fallen on tough times, or let's put it this way, they're experiencing the same economic downturn that a number of businesses in all industries really are being affected by with this pandemic. What would you say to a church leader who wants to be honest in communicating where the church is at, but doesn't want to come across as needy during a time when they're trying to be generous to the community, but they also need to, to put it bluntly, pay the bills and be able to continue to provide the services and the generosity that they want to in their community. What would you recommend to them? Well, back to those leadership points, we do have to be clear with our community, with our church, and explain the situation. Um, and it's not burdening them. It's it's because it's not the leader's church. It's the church's church, you know, yeah. and we're all part of it. We're, we're, we're the body of Christ together. And so if uh, there's a need, uh, then that ought to be shared so that people can respond. Uh, and shared early uh, rather than wait till it hits that crisis point. Uh, it's always hard to get people to support a debt to pay money to repay something. Uh, but if there's a need before we can get the debt, you know, if there's something that needs to be solved, Australians will step up and make a difference. We found in our, in our annual not-for-profit study that the majority of Australians, when it comes to their giving attitudes, and this is broadly across the community, not just in the church, they are what we call need responders. So they don't so much give regularly. They don't so much give out of some sense of discipline and rhythm. They give when the need is presented. And we know that of Australians. When there's a bushfire, a flood, or uh, an urgent need for blood, Aussies are out there uh, giving and supporting in whatever way. That's the community-mindedness that makes this nation. And that is true in the church as well. So if there is a need, share the need so people can respond to that need. Um, not, and, and, you know, when that is done with the compassion and empathy, when it's done knowing that, hey, we know everyone is doing it tough and we're not expecting people to, uh, to, to, to overlook their own needs. Um, I think that they'll understand the context and the grace with which those communications are made and they will step up after all. It's, it's, it's their church and, um, and this has come about beyond anyone's uh, circumstances. And, and, you know, that's important for us all to be reminded of that, yes, so much has changed in this time. But we still pray to the Lord. We still read his word. We still uh, have our daily spiritual walk. And we still give to our church. And we still turn up, even though it might be through a video screen. Those essential spiritual practices are unchanged. 
uh, yes. even though the means by which we do them may. Yeah. Now, that's a great point that you made there, Mark, that Australians are a generous people, but the key driver for their generosity is a known need that connects with them. And so I would, yeah, that's a great encouragement for church leaders today to be honest about those needs. And Australians, they've, they've shown historically that they'll respond to needs when they're presented to them. You know, Australians are incredibly flexible, according to your report, um, and they're incredibly open to change in their lifestyle, in their habits. I know for me and my family, um, we've been washing our hands more than we ever have in the past. And I, that's a real indictment on our family. Maybe we should have been doing that all along. Maybe we've been contributing to the problem. Who knows? But it looks as though Australians are incredibly flexible. And one of the things that we've seen shifted significantly is around this idea of large gatherings and the restrictions on those, which I've I've said, I think it's brought about probably the greatest shift in church methodology in possibly all of church history. Because throughout church history, there have oftentimes been a home or a building in which Christians, followers of Jesus, have gathered together. And we're now seeing after 2,000 plus years of Christianity, a gathering type of movement where there's no longer the ability to gather physically, but we're having to do it digitally. How open do you feel like Australians are to making the shift and being flexible after the research that you've done in journeying with their faith and continuing their journey of faith, even though the gathering is no longer possible physically, they have to do it digitally. What do you think of that? Australians are very adaptive, you know, very resilient. And we do, it's part of that Aussie character of uh, innovate, of get in, get it done. You know, it's a can-do attitude. We will solve it. We will sort it out. Uh, we're creative in problem solving and resilient as a people. And that's uh, true in the church as well. So your points are, are, are great ones, Jason, just, just how much has changed in our church life. Uh, probably, uh, as you say, ever, the biggest change suddenly has been thrust upon us. And other, you know, um, gathering points have, have adjusted or, or, or social contexts have changed as well. Education has changed the most dramatically ever through this as well. We've had the tools for online learning for a while, but this has forced us to fully utilize those. The workplace no longer is it a place, but it's a means, it's a connection point again through the technology as we work remotely. And, uh, and it's great to see that the church is able to use this technology and use it well. Um, I find that churches are um, always innovating and adapting, often uh, beyond many other uh, social institutions in society, from technology to music, from the, the, the activities and games and being on the cutting edge of where young people are at, innovating across all of the generations, we see churches uh, on the cutting edge. And over the last few weeks, we've seen that characteristic again play out through use of social media, of uh, meeting technology, and of using the digital. And, uh, and, and you know, well done all the church leaders for quickly getting that up and adapting. And while it's not the same as church as we knew it, um, it still is meeting many of those needs and it's, it's been an important thing. That is something that we've seen throughout Christianity. You look at Paul 
uh, the Apostle Paul and how he saw the spread of the gospel phenomenally in that first century. And he was using the latest technology. Back then it was Roman roads and new yeah. transport forms that allowed his epistles to get to far-flung places across the known Roman world. He used the common language of Koine Greek to spread his letters. And so communications methodologies allowed for the gospel. And if he was alive today, he would be using Zoom and Facebook Live and these other uh, technologies to connect just as we are because he was an innovator. The message doesn't change, but the means, the methodologies do. And uh, well done to the churches for being adaptive there. And as they have found, the congregations are adaptive as well. Even the older generations have jumped on board with this. And uh, what it shows is, you know, Christ is preeminent and the means, the methods, we will grab whatever we can uh, to make sure that we are honoring him as Christians and through our churches and, uh, and importantly, getting that spiritual nurturing. Yeah. Now it's fantastic. The, the research and the responses that you've shown from Australians shows that they are incredibly flexible and, and it will translate even into their faith journey as well. And I love what you said about the Apostle Paul. I've been saying to a lot of church leaders recently, you know, the Apostle Paul did his best work when he was under what they would call house arrest, which could be called isolation. And here we find ourselves under house arrest and we're being forced in a sense to use the technology of our day. He used letter writing and Roman roads and and transportation means back in those days to get the message out. And we're now being able to leverage the internet and digital platforms to be able to do the same thing. And I'm, I'm in total agreement with you, Mark. I actually think that the Apostle Paul would live on Twitter if he was alive today. He, would, he was a feisty guy, so I don't think he would have yeah. backed down from any debates. He loved to debate in the marketplace and in other places as well. So I think he would have been a part of that conversation for sure. According to your research, um, Mark, you, you've, said, you've shown us that the Aussie spirit is alive and well. And this is my favorite part of your, your uh, results from your re- research is that it shines through the Australian sense of humor. And we've seen that on the internet over recent days as well. Do you think that Australian spirit and sense of humor can last for another six to 12 months if this pandemic goes this long and if the restrictions stay in place? And how do you think faith community leaders can help us stay resilient and develop some grit during this time? It is a unique national characteristic we have. You know, we think of the Brits as having the stiff upper lip and the keep calm and carry on, just that, just that resilience. Aussies play it differently. And this, this, this pushback, this having a laugh at ourselves or others, this Aussie humour is, is our form of resilience. Can it last the distance? I think it can. You know, we think about the terrible challenge of World War II uh, that, that so many Australians went through. And, of course, the war touched our shores uh, to the north as well. And, uh, and for the six years of the war, that humour did come through some pretty dark days. In this context of COVID, 41% of Australians said that they have seen this characteristic of Aussie humour play out strongly already. Interestingly, more than half of all Queenslanders have seen it, uh, compared to about a third of us in New South Wales and Victoria. So, uh, so up north, they're even more uh, keeping things in perspective with, with a bit of a laugh at the situation. And I think that's a healthy thing. Uh, it was good to see the other characteristics as well coming through. 
um, the, the community spirit was next on the list, coming together in times of need, you know, helping others out. And uh, there's been various hashtags going around, viral kindness or caremongering. Instead of scaremongering, let's, let's do some caremongering out there. And again, that's the business of Christians. That's what we're in, showing love uh, to those around us. Uh, the, the characteristic of um, optimism um, comes through. You know, we, we sometimes call ourselves the lucky country. Uh, we would say we're the blessed country and God's grace rests strongly on us here. And, and so we do have a sense that, you know what, we will get through this as a nation. And the other values of championing a fair go for all and support for the underdog, they've also been coming through as we cheer on and, uh, and support those that are the most vulnerable, those frontline workers making a difference and keeping us all healthy. You know, that comes through strongly and Aussies have strongly responded to those values. So it does show a good character uh, in this nation. Now, it's not a righteous character. It doesn't mean that it's perfection. And yeah. they still need what the church has to present, the good news of Christ. But uh, we've got some good soil to work with. And, um, and I think that's an encouragement to us all uh, to see the, 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 those good Aussie characteristics coming through. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we mentioned at the very beginning of our conversation, this report that you and your team put out in 2017, Faith and Belief in Australia. And you, you identified the fact that we've seen a significant trend in Australia in recent times of more and more Australians self-identifying as being non-religious. In fact, a lot of the leaders that will be listening to this conversation, they are leading churches that are trying to reverse the trend. And so to speak, they're creating churches that even people that don't go to church would love to come to, or people that would identify as being non-religious might find something that is relevant for them in the church that, that the uh, leaders are leading. And so I would love to know what's your perspective on the current situation we find ourselves in in Australia with COVID-19 and what are the opportunities perhaps for faith leaders in our current season to be able to reverse that trend and to help people that would identify as being non-religious to perhaps find some relevancy with faith? Well, you know, if we look back at history in the last few generations, we see that it was after World War II that around the Western world, we saw one of the biggest modern revivals as Billy Graham began uh, his evangelistic efforts. And in the late 50s, of course, he came to Australia with great effect. And it was a time when we still were trying to work out um, uh, where we were at and uh, indeed uh, what mattered most as we were still reeling to some extent from those war impacts. And and this is another one of those such occasions, you know, for such a time as this, uh, in the incredible uncertainty that this context has created. Um, Australians are, are recognizing the, the, the shifting nature of things. They, they see the temporal reality of things. The finances are not as secure. Jobs can disappear and the paths, the plans that they had have, um, have been um, uh, adjusted or have to be adjusted. And I think that's where uh, there is this message that we have that for a searching community can offer hope and direction. And, uh, you know, when things are good in times of prosperity, it's often hard to find a listening ear to the issues of faith, to those essential yet not seen as urgent issues. But when everything that we know is shaken around us, uh, what remains uh, is often 
uh, that search for, uh, for, for security, uh, for meaning, for purpose, for hope, and that comes to the issues of faith. So what a time for church leaders to be clear in their communications, to live those answers and to, to, uh, to, to just offer that, that good news of Christ to a, a searching community, not opportunistically, um, and done practically with other supports that can be offered, uh, but being there uh, in this time when so many other uh, certainties have uh, have shown themselves to be fleeting. Yeah, we actually live in probably one of the the best times in history to be able to share hope when it's most needed. And I've heard many church leaders recently say, we are dealers of hope in a hopeless world currently. And so what a what an incredible opportunity, like you said, not being opportunistic, but in a very authentic, real way saying, we have this hope and we want to share it with the world. And we currently have more means to be able to do that than potentially we've ever had in human history uh, through technology. You know, one of the things that I've noticed over the last uh, few weeks as I've been working with church leaders, Mark, is that there is an increased busyness as this transition was really forced upon us. And as people are trying to transition a lot of physical ministry into a digital ministry space. And so because of that, there's a kind of a, a franticness in, in a lot of leaders' minds and worlds right now. And, and that oftentimes can translate into not taking care of your own spiritual health and your own soul. And I was looking on your website um, over the last week or so and noticed that you've been able to build an, an incredible business. Really, you've got a healthy company that's providing incredible services to not just churches, but organizations and businesses, not just here in Australia, but across the world as well. What are some practices that you personally have taken on board or some habits or rhythms that help you to stay spiritually healthy and to maintain a healthy soul that you could maybe recommend or pass on to any church leaders that are leading during these uncertain times? Well, you know, it's the basic, it's the basic spiritual disciplines that I'm sure most church leaders practice, you know, just the daily walk with the Lord. Um, and it doesn't matter. You know, I, I love research and uh, I always asking strange questions and putting together reports, but ultimately the opinion that matters, the, the wisdom that I seek and the word that is key to live by is, is God's. Um, and so it's putting him at the foundation of all things. It's, it's, it's caring about who I am in his eyes, uh, not any other reputational perspective that, that might be gained. And, you know, we, we, um, we do have to make sure that we remember who we were um, and who we are without Christ and who we are in him. And, and that gives us a great perspective that it's all by him and for him and through him. And I think keeps us grounded. Um, I, I had um, the pleasure over the last few years of, of working a bit with Tim Hanna of Compassion. And he yeah. has just uh, recently um, uh, stepped down from that CEO role after a, a great decade of, of, of excellent leadership there. And in his farewell address, uh, as he was answering this very question, how's, how he amidst the business of that ministry kept well, um, one advice that he shared that I try to practice as well. He said, uh, find out what nurtures your soul and do lots of it. Uh, mm. And for me, that's getting out into God's creation. I, I love the bush and um, 
blessed to have a bit of bushland out the back of where I live. So, so that's, that's important. You know, not just um, time with God, but often time with God in a place or a, or a context or through an activity that can nurture us. And, um, and that's, that's special and, and grounding and, and helpful, you know, and that's where a bit of the physical movement or activity or exercise comes into play. And I think particularly in a lockdown period, getting outdoors and getting a bit of activity is really going to do us well physically and mentally, but of course, through that spiritually as well. Uh, And another blessing that I've really seen of this time, and uh, you know, we don't plan on, on, on these times, but when they come, we see how God uses even these, uh, turmoils uh, to give us blessings and time with family has been a great one time to just slow down and reflect has been key uh, we do find ourselves getting busier and busier in life and my life of recent times has involved a lot of travel and it's uh, been a, an unexpected blessing to have all of those flights cancelled all of those events cancelled the diary open up nowhere to go and not a lot to do uh, but to actually have that time with God, that time to reflect and that time with family. And that I think is healthy for our whole world at this point. Uh, even though there's a lot of anxiety and uncertainty, it has put the stop button on almost everything and does allow people that time of reflection, a time of connecting with loved ones and a time of hopefully uh, pondering uh, the things of the Lord. Yeah. Mark, thank you for being so transparent and, and open with your own personal walk and, and the things that help to maintain a healthy soul. I, um, on the podcast, we oftentimes refer to the concept of soul care, and we define that as simply tending to the garden of your inner life, of your, your own personal soul. And I love the, the conversation that we've had around that. So thank you for being so open and honest and authentic with what that looks like for you personally. And I want to thank you as well, again, for all of the work that you and your team do. It, it provides so much insight for leaders across our country and specifically want to thank you for the insight that it provides for church leaders. It really does help us to know the direction that we should be heading as we interact with um, the communities that we've been called to serve. So thank you so much for the work that you guys do. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, Mark, what's the best way to connect with you or your team if they were interested in more information or even to, to connect with you on working on a project together? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, probably through the website. And that's where this uh, report is available. This full report I've been quoting on COVID-19. Uh, they can get access to the faith and belief study as well. And many, many more all freely accessible on our website. And that's mccrindle.com.au. So M-C-C-R-I-N-D-L-E.com.au. They can through there find um, our phone numbers and emails and by all means contact me if there's any way I can help. Uh, any of the listeners, uh, I'd be delighted to do so. And um, thanks for having me uh, on the podcast, Jason, and for having this chat with me. Yeah, my pleasure, mate. It really is my pleasure. And we'll make sure that we put links to all of those things in the show notes um, so that people can easily access those. Mark, thank you so much for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being on Perco's podcast. You're very welcome. Thanks, Jason. Well, what a fascinating conversation with my good friend, Mark McCrindle. He is such a brilliant leader and I'm so grateful for him and his team as they provide so much great content for us as leaders 
through these surveys and reports that they provide, especially this most recent one on how Australians are responding to this COVID-19 crisis. I especially love that nugget of wisdom that he shared with us about soul care from his good friend, former CEO of Compassion Australia, Tim Hanna said, find what nourishes your soul and do lots of it. I love how Mark mentioned that spending time with God outdoors in nature was so incredibly nourishing for his soul. And I know that's true for me as well, as I'm sure it's probably true for many of you listening, which is why I love to spend so much time at the beach and especially in the ocean. I find that the power and the persistence of the waves remind me of how powerful and persistent God's love is for me and it is for you as well. I hope you're reminded of that today. It also reminds me of how powerless I am without the incredible might of my Heavenly Father. I'd love to hear what nourishes your soul. We love hearing from people who listen to this podcast, so be sure to connect with us. You can do that through our website, which is jasonperkoperkins.com, or you can use that same address on social media to find us. Many of our social media platforms use the handle Jason Perko Perkins. So we'd love to connect with you on social media through Instagram or Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is that you particularly use for social media. We'd love to connect with you there. Or you can contact me the old-fashioned way through good old email. My email address is hello at jasonperkoperkins.com. Also, I want to just encourage you, if you're finding these podcasts helpful, we would love it if you would share it with others who would find these conversations helpful as well. I know that many of the conversations I listen to that I find helpful when I share them with friends or family members, they find them helpful as well. So we would love if you would share that with others as well. You can also leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you use. That really helps us to get these conversations out to as many people as possible. And ultimately, our dream is to see a generation of leaders reach their goals And at the same time, we want to hear them say, it is well with my soul. So thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I look forward to connecting with you online this week and sharing another conversation with you next week about loving and serving our community. Hope you have a great week. Cheers. You've been listening to Perko's podcast. Join us next time for more insights on strategy, leadership, and soul care to help you reach your personal, professional, and spiritual goals while at the same time not losing your soul. In the meantime, make sure to connect with us on social media. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.